While they're all talking state standards, we're sitting on a bar stool making fun of them. Classroom Brew Podcast. listening into this one welcome back to the podcast this is probably an episode that is just like the greatest match made in heaven for a teacher drinking podcast so we're, we're not even going to waste time talking about patreon and all that stuff you guys know if you listen to previous episodes or the 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 show notes whatever it may be uh but for this episode we have do you want do you want to go with professor philip do you want to go with professor stelzel or or what do you prefer to uh to go by here I'd strongly prefer Philip. Okay, okay. Just checking, because I've had some professors when I was in grad school, they prefer first name, and then I had others where they were like, you need to call me doctor, and then, you know, whatever their last name was, and you're like, okay. Um, so, so, Philip, thanks for, for jumping in, uh, for joining the podcast for this one. Um, I was looking forward to this one, because I think uh, Heather and I, as well as my, my buddy Matt, who helps me out, we've been trying to set this up, but just schedules didn't quite work out. And the reason I was so excited is that you've, you've written this book, uh, this is your second book, though, right? Yeah, correct. Okay. So this is called The Faculty Lounge, A Cocktail Guide for Academics. So as a, a history uh, professor and a graduate director, and you normally cover things like uh, contemporary German history and, and transatlantic history and, you know, all these like really important topics, not that cocktails aren't important, of course, you've kind of taken a, a bit of a, a left turn to, uh, to write this thing. I know you've gone on record to talk about this, you know, how it started and stuff like that. But just to give everyone a bit of an introduction, because uh, I believe it was, uh, it came out of the pandemic and a little bit of like Twitter back when it was called Twitter. Uh, but how did you go from uh, writing more history focused books to now this awesome cocktail guy with some fun anecdotes and quips? Uh, I think I first should say for, for, uh, for the listeners that the, the faculty lounge is, is not really your typical cocktail book, but rather <laughs> satirical, t- <clears throat> which uses cocktails and the the tasting notes, so to speak, as the vehicle for for humor. And you're correct. I mean, the origins very much lie in the pandemic. Uh, I recently looked it up. It was March 16th, 2020. Uh, it was, I think, about a week after my school, Duquesne University, had gone online and you know yeah. campus was closed. Uh, and um, one late afternoon, I just uploaded all the my lectures for the for the next day onto Blackboard, and I felt like having a cocktail. And normally, <laughs> just one gin martini. <laughs> I'm a gin martini or uh, or Latin person, but uh, for some reason I was in the mood for something different. And I thought, okay, what do I have right now? What do I have at home? And it turned out I had bourbon. I had uh, tart cranberry juice, so not the not the sweet cranberry cocktail, but the tart pure cran- cranberry juice. Uh, and, and grenadine, and so those three ingredients went it went in, into a mixing glass, and then I served it up with an orange twist. And I thought, okay, now this needs a name. And uh, maybe unsurprisingly, the first thing I could think of was the the social distancer, right? Because we're all <laughs> social. And uh, took a picture, you know, put it on put it on uh, on Facebook um, and on, on on Twitter. And then the next the next afternoon, I thought, you know what, this was this was fun. I'll do this again. And I I'd seen somebody else. 
um, post a photo of a, of a gin martini and call it a quarantini. And I thought, okay, that's clever. I'm going to bore the pun, but I'm going to alter the recipe so it's not just taking somebody else's work. And so I added a splash of absence to a dry gin martini. Why? Because I had it by myself. Everybody else was absent. <laughs> right. And, uh, which I love, by Once the way, again, that was that was your uh, the social distancer. Uh, so the way you set it up is usually the name of it, the ingredients. Uh, then there's like a little mm-hmm. little uh, like notes on actually making it. But I love the social distancer. You write enjoy alone, which is what I did. Right. <laughs> I love that yeah. part. Right away, it sets the tone for for the the comedic style of this book. Very much so. Yeah, and thank you. I mean, I uh, uh, and then and, and then after after the second cocktail, um, a couple of friends of mine said to me, you know, this is fun. You should keep this up. And, and I did. And so for the rest of the spring semester of 2020, each weekday between five and six, I would come up with a, with a new recipe and then give it a name that corresponded to the theme of how the pandemic affected my life as a college professor. Right. And right. so there was the, the remote instructor and the, um, the canceled conference and the inaccessible archive. And of course, the Cogito Ergo Zoom, because we all learned uh, how to live with, with Zoom. And by the end of the semester, I had about 30 recipes. And what was interesting was that at the time, two of my grad school friends who are more public-facing scholars mm-hmm. said to me, Philip, you should do something with this. It has potential. And I wasn't really convinced. Um, I pitched something to uh, higher ed uh, magazines, and they weren't interested because I think they were afraid that their readers might not be able to tell the difference between <laughs> somebody making fun of the pandemic, which, of course, I wasn't. And here's somebody making fun of how the pandemic makes our lives more difficult, teaching, teaching, um, which I was. And then I thought, okay, whatever, doesn't matter. I was, you know, I was just having fun and some of my friends enjoyed it too. And it was not until the fall of 2020 or late August that I, I, I did a thread on Twitter just for some, you know, I thought, oh, you know, fall semester is around the corner. It's like another pandemic semester. Uh, we can all use a drink or maybe 25. So here are my 25. <laughs> And then that that thread just blew up, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, I next day I had like I don't know three hundred new followers, and and it was like shared a couple thousand times. Um, and then about two weeks later, an editor with Indiana University Press emails me out of the blue and says, "I've seen this thread. I think it's very funny. Would you be interested in discussing doing a book with us?" And I was like, "Absolutely. Why not?" That's awesome. Yeah. So. It, very much, you know, was not planned. I didn't wake up one day and said, got to do a comic book. So I think sort of that, that sort of slightly accidental nature of this project made it even more fun for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You mentioned too uh, some grad school friends. Are these the, uh, you mentioned a Sarah and a, a Davis and a Benita in your, uh, in your acknowledgements, the, the dedication essentially. Yes. Are those the people? Okay. Yeah. Sarah, okay. Sarah, yeah, Sarah and Josh, they, they went to, we all went to UNC Chapel Hill and, um, you know, wonderful, had a really wonderful uh, grad school experience. And, and those two were, they realized earlier than, than I did that there <laughs> might be some potential. Yeah, yeah, the potential, absolutely. Now in terms of, so you start doing the tweets and stuff like that, like we're, uh, March, April, late March, early April of 2020. Book came out earlier this year in 2023. The, the process of, because you've, you've written a book before and you've published it with a major publisher, uh, U of Penn. But for this book itself, which is in a different style, was your process a lot different? Did it take you longer? Was it a shorter read for you? Were you drinking along the way? What, what was what was it like doing you know something like this compared to you know a, a historiography or a historical style book? 
I mean, it was certainly more it was certainly uh, more fun um, in some ways than the than the first book. And uh, you know, I mean, the, the first book, of course, is a revised version of my dissertation. And so the, the you know the dissertation took several years, and then you revise it again, and then you submit it to the press, and you get outside reviews, and you revise it again. Um, so this was a lot more informal. I had a bunch of, and I thank them in the acknowledgments. I had sort of non-anonymous peer reviewers, as I call them. Uh, friends who are in academia as well, mostly history professors, but sure. also some in other disciplines, and they read the manuscript. Or sometimes I would say, "Hey, here's here's an idea for a cocktail name or a joke. Do you think that works?" And so I think in that sense, um, it was also really fun. And but but not just fun; it was also important during the during the pandemic when you know you couldn't go to conferences and you couldn't just hang out with people like in normal times. And I was really missing that as a, as a, you know, I think a fairly social person. And so at least working on this book, it gave me a reason to, uh, on a regular basis, reach out to people and say, hey, this is, this is a new chapter. What do you think about this? Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, in that sense, sort of soliciting feedback from colleagues, maybe not too different from, from, the, from the first book. Um, it was not a formal peer review process. You know, I knew the people who, of course, read it because I sought them out, whereas you know, with the first book, those, uh, those reviewers are anonymous because they're supposed to be. Um, and uh, you know, had, had I not had um, some, uh, some family issues, my, my, uh, my parents' health uh, took a turn for the worse as I oh. was working on the book, I would have taken a break for a while. Sure. Um, I would have I would have finished it faster, but um, nevertheless, I think um, it was sort of nice to compare to the first book, see a, a shorter period from from the first idea to to the actual to having actually the book in hand. Sure, you know, that was like three three years. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially you mentioned your, your your first book is you know a revised version of your dissertation, so that you know you have to consider you know getting getting your doctorate and then also you know revising for the book. Do you notice as, mm -hmm. as you were writing this? I'm sure it was freeing to kind of write in this style compared to, you know, full-blown, you know, history book writing. Did you notice like, your voice still persisting or did you notice that it changed a little bit in like your writing style and how you came through with the final product? Yeah, I mean, I think I think certainly this this kind of book allowed me to be a lot more personal. And I think my people who know me will also recognize um, or sort of see, can read between the lines. And of course, in a, with this academic monograph that the first book was, um, you're supposed to be much more authoritative. And, yeah. uh, you know, some people even frown upon using, using I, um, using the first person, which of course in this case was not, was not a problem <laughs> at all. But I think it also allowed me to, I hope, at least I was trying to in my first book, um, there are also a few passages that might display a sense of humor but of course that was not the the main point of, of the first book whereas <laughs> sure. in this one it was the was the point um and i think it's also interesting that i you know i i kind of rediscovered as i was working on this i thought you know i actually i've done satirical stuff since i was in high school mm -hmm. um but i usually did it for private consumption i would write you know i would write skits for a birthday party or some other occasion and then you know would be for a small audience, sure. um, so in a way, I kind of went back to something that 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 I did relatively early in, right. my, in my life. Well, like you said, I mean, it's it's essentially you're you're revealing more of your personal side, and it's it's a bit vulnerable, right? Especially because you're publishing this, and your name is attached to it. Mm -hmm. We noticed when we were we were taking a look, the your first book is is on your faculty bio for the uh, the university, 
Is there any chance that the the faculty lounge will make its appearance on that uh, that staff bio for the university? Oh, absolutely. This this is this is okay. going to happen. Um, the, the, the the only reason why it hasn't happened yet is that we my university uh, modernized uh, our website and it was a complete disaster and <laughs> information information got, information got lost. And you mentioned that I'm also the the graduate director, so I I, um, I administer the graduate program. We have a master's program in history. And so it was much more important that uh, potential applicants had access to the information that was somewhere. Um, that was much more important than you know, professors right, right. Uh, updating their faculty bio. Um, but I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not hiding it. And in fact, sure. um, what really what was was a lot of fun was that when the book came out um, a couple of weeks later, we had a, uh, a reception on campus and the, the dean of, of the dean of liberal arts uh, who is who is a wonderful wonderful dean um, and has a sense of humor in my department chair who is also great they co-sponsored that event and i got to talk about how this happened and then we had three cocktails and a mocktail from the <laughs> from the book uh, so um it's you know it's something that also um has happened on on, on campus um oh, and i think you know it might have been it might have been easier to do a book like that after having done a, a serious academic monograph, and after having gotten tenure, but um, I think the um, I think sort of the I had the, had the opportunity um, been there. I think I might have you know I might have done it before, but but it, it, the, the timing was certainly good. Yeah, when well, I bring it up too, because I, I know in um, so I I did my master's in, in history and uh, in education, and the mm -hmm. the historiography lens that we would take in a lot of these courses. It was very interesting, but the courses that, you know, we enjoyed the most and got the most out of were those ones where it took a step back to just, you know, have a human moment. Like, you know, maybe the reading this week, it's still one or two books and a couple articles and a classic, but there might be like a podcast like, hey, check this out for 20 minutes. I feel like this would be, especially for a grad student, <laughs> like, let's be honest, when, when you're a grad student, you can't read cover to cover. This is such a light read and fun read that you can read it cover to cover. I feel like it would be such a cool opportunity to to connect with your grad students and and really have that conversation. I'm not sure how much like teacher prep you'd be interested in versus history related, but I think it would be a really fun read for for students. Not that you would like plug it like buy my book, but it seems like a cool right. opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think some some of some of the students have bought the book, uh, but of course, I would not I would not assign <laughs> it. Um, maybe maybe I get lucky, and some some colleagues of mine elsewhere uh, have you know have the same idea that that you have. Um, and um, and then we'll assign it, but um, but I agree. I think as I think for the maybe as if you're an undergraduate student, um, you don't perhaps understand the inner workings of the university um, well enough, or also the the life of of your faculty. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, once you do graduate school, whether it's the MA or or, or a PhD, uh, I think you have enough of of a sense of how academia works that. The chapters make 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 sense make sense to you even if you're not going on to become an actual faculty member. Yeah, absolutely. So I think yeah. that's also yeah that's also why I I thought I should start this book with with a chapter for the graduate student. That's right. That's right. Where based very much reflected on sort of my own my own experience. Uh, the classmate who hasn't read the talks anyway. You know, we that's all right. know this person. Oh yeah, they just want to so they actually, just want to piggyback off what you just said. That's what they always start with. I just want to piggyback off what was just said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And sometimes, you know, sometimes, sometimes friends like, you know, I actually, I was that, I was that person. Yeah. I was that student. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. We've all had the moment when we thought we knew the thesis of the author and we might've skimmed the entire book and missed a, a very important piece. Uh, Cause yeah, you focus on, you know, graduate students, the faculty members, 
this is the one that I loved the the teaching and grading. Uh, you have the conference attendee for those who are researching and writing, the administrator, and then uh, the part that I loved the the toast, your favorite uh, intellectual. I loved that, of course. What, what's cool about it, though, is that you, you've mentioned, because you are in the world of, of academia, but you've had a lot of support within your department from a dean uh, on on campus. Has there been any any backlash, though, on the opposite side of that? Because it sounds like everyone loves it. People were supportive. You have friends that were like, yes, publish this, get this out there, do something. A publisher reached out to you. Is there another side to that, though? Because as teachers, professors, or you know, anyone in academia, we sort of have this higher expectation or standard where it's like we have to be like perfect prudes, but we are also human, if you will. Have you noticed any of that at all? Uh, I have not, and I think That's good. considering that you know, I, I I grew up I grew up in Germany. I um my did my undergrad equivalent, so to speak, at the University of Munich. I was there for eight semesters before I came to the U.S. And I certainly expect that the the number or the the percentage of of colleagues in Germany who might consider this not serious enough for for for, for a professor. Mm-hmm. That percentage might be higher than in the U.S. I think that's also something that I always liked about American academic culture, sure. though, that um, while we certainly don't have a shortage of, of big egos, we also have <laughs> more people than have in Germany who kind of can make fun of themselves and can say, sure. oh, this is, you know, let's, yes, you know, we, we take the teaching very seriously, we take our research very seriously, but sometimes you also have to make fun of the fact that, you know, for example, my first book, you know, I spent many years on that. And the, the number of copies it sold, you know, it wasn't all that many. And how can I not make fun of that? And so I remember uh, one time, one time Pen Press, uh, Pen Press had, a, uh, had a sale. And so I tweeted, hey, you can buy History After Hitler 40% off. Plus, this had, it has fewer side effects than most common sleeping aids. And <laughs> nice. I'm not joking that a, a German professor, a professor based in Germany, sent me a private message and oh, said, no. I really have to admire your ability to make fun of your own, oh, good. Of your own book. Okay. I wasn't and sure I was when, thinking, when you said you got a DM, I was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is something that you certainly wouldn't do because you take yourself very seriously, you know? <laughs> um, so, um, no, that's, that's not, I mean, you know, a few people have, have asked me, are you, are you concerned that, that one might criticize you for promoting drinking? And I said, well, no, I don't because first of all, there are also mocktails in this book. And in fact, I'm having one right now. This is the wellness webinar. Oh, so, nice. I mean, let me look that one up. What is what's that one again? Ginger beer, tart cherry juice, and and club soda, which okay. is actually it's my it's my favorite. It's probably the drink I have the most. I drink the most from the book just because it's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> like also, this you one. Know, otherwise, it says register for the webinar. On second thought, pour yourself two ounces of bourbon instead. This is for the wellness webinar. You're doing the the mocktail version. Page twenty one of those of you that have the book. <laughs> I'm doing the I'm doing the mocktail version. Yeah. Um, no, but you know, I think otherwise, any anybody who writes a cocktail book, um, you know, is, is quote unquote promoting drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the the more I think on a more serious note, certainly, um, and actually, one of my um, one of my amazing undergrads uh, at Duquesne asked me, uh, "Aren't you concerned that people from the administration are going to look at the chapter for the administrator and are going to be upset?" <laughs> and I told him, "No, I'm not. A, I'm not concerned about that because you know these people are smart and they realize." But this is a book about academia. This is not a book about my school. Right. This is a book about academic life in, in general. And so um, as a result, I mean, you know, who knows? I mean, I, there, there might be people out there, you know, who may not like this. But then again, there were, there were people who didn't buy, you know, all the arguments that were in my first book. And, you know, just 
you have to live with that. That's sure. fine. You can't make and make everybody happy. Yeah, you definitely can't please everybody. Well, it's it's funny too because and I bring it up because so I have a, a podcast that features teachers, you know, having a couple drinks. Uh, I have people on that may or may not want to disclose their own identity. I know I went back and forth with that myself. There are people who, even if they don't have drinking, they're very outspoken without mentioning school names or obviously students or staff, anything like that. But there is this inherent like, oh, well, they must be talking about you know me or they must be promoting drinking or something negative or, well, they must hate teaching or teachers and stuff like that. And it's so interesting because it's not, like you said, it's not mutually exclusive. You can, you can have the serious, like, this is very serious. I have studied this. I've spent a lot of time. I've worked very hard. But also the, I can poke fun at myself and at certain things inside of this world, especially academia, inside the world of academia. Oh my God, it's, it's a goldmine of things to make fun of from a, a lighthearted Absolutely. place. And y- you have to. Yeah. So I think that's encouraging, honestly, the fact that I think the more people that are willing to see that it, it's not all black and white, there's that gray area. Mm-hmm. I think it, it works best for all of us to just be okay with, you know, people having duality, <laughs> if you will. Right. Yes, absolutely. So I was, I was reading through these and I was wondering, so I loved, I loved names like the, the board of trustees, board spelled uh, B-O-R-E-D instead of B-O-A-R-D uh, and stuff like that. Uh, my personal favorite uh, in here was the, uh, sorry, I wasn't in class today. Did I miss anything important? <laughs> and I loved that. And, and what made me think of this is that that is a two ounce scotch neat. Now, personally, <laughs> love the idea of that, a, a neat drink after hearing that horrifying question from a student. But I am not a scotch person. So I was curious, does it happen often where a drink that you prefer the flavor of lines up with one of your favorite names? Um, no, not really. I think the, I wasn't really thinking when I came up with the, um, when I assigned base liquor, so to speak, to, to, to a drink name, I wasn't really thinking, oh, so this is a, you know, a, a grading cocktail. So this should be bourbon or something like that. Um, it was more that I, that I was kind of alternating. I realized, you know, some people really like gin, some people can't stand it. Some people are, you know, um, prefer brown liquor some some other people don't and I so I just I just sort of went around and said okay I want to make sure that I have some 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 gin cocktails in there some vodka cocktails in there some yeah. rum uh with with tequila uh, rye uh but it wasn't really that I went with um went with the uh that I necessarily thought oh this name calls for vodka as opposed to <laughs> uh, as opposed to um, I think actually the the board of trustees um I mean I I you know, I like the name. Obviously, I'm, I might be biased because I came up with it, but I also, I also think the white rum uh, and tart cranberry, uh, lemon juice, and, and um, lime juice, and, and grenadine. I think that combo works quite well. Uh, it's it's quite refreshing. I mean, it's obviously also you know it's a, so it's not a when you know once you drink it slowly, but but I think it also it's a it's a refreshing one, and probably also. The refreshment that one needs when uh, the board of trustees makes a decision that that one is not particularly happy with. <laughs> right, right. I kept waiting too because I find that uh, I've been doing this podcast like five, six years, something like that, and I find that I've kind of gone back to the same handful of drinks. And I was like, man, should I make like a classroom brew cocktail? And then I was like, well, I'm kind of limiting myself because I feel like it's always a white rum and mango juice. Or right now I've got a rum based uh, one of those pre-canned pina coladas or something like that so i was almost anticipating like is there going to be like a 
a podcast one. Have you thought about doing like a follow-up to the faculty lounge? I have. I think there's there the cocktails that I didn't think of or didn't think of didn't think of fast enough to until the, the manuscript was due. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have an for a for another book that is I would say adjacent to the to, to this one. Um, but also it also has to do with academia and and this has cocktail recipes. Um, but it's less about the it's less less a satire about academic life. Um, so that's that's all I'm gonna say for now. But sure, I certainly fair. there's certainly more material and since so far, you know, the, the reception of this of this book has been uh, has been very good, including the fact that you know two months after the the publication, uh, Indiana University Press decided that they would go ahead with a second printing already. Nice. Um, you that's know, awesome! Congratulations! Been, thank you. That's been that's been very encouraging. So yeah, um, I definitely definitely would like to continue uh, <laughs> on this on this cocktail path because because it's been fun, and I also realized you know what you know. For, for, to be honest with you, you know, academia, higher education in the United States uh, is in a really, really tough spot right now. You know, in, in, in several states, uh, several states are run by people who um, dislike education in general and higher education mm-hmm. in particular. And, um, you know, things things don't look great uh, in, in a lot of places. And so I, you know, for, I thought sometimes, you know, well, is it is it frivolous to come up with a book like this when times are so serious? And then I realized, no, actually, precisely because the times are yeah. serious, um, this might actually be good because it it gets hopefully people to laugh yeah. when, uh, in otherwise, in in other ways, there's you know few things to 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 laugh about these days. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're right. It's like, oh man, it is such a you know a tricky state right now. But yeah, I think I think the timing of it is 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 perfect for that. I feel like maybe if it was, I know maybe in your head you're thinking like maybe I should have done it like during the pandemic might have been a little bit too soon. I feel like now that we're out of it and things have changed, like you said, so much, I think the timing was was truly remarkable. I think it also um, helped establish sort of the distance to, I mean, the pandemic was, you know, it was sort of the, it gave me the opportunity, right? It was the impulse. But uh, what was important to me and, you know, thankfully my editor uh, saw, and I, we, we saw eye to eye on this question. Um, I said to her, you know, I really would like to make this book about academia in general. This shouldn't be... This shouldn't be a, a pandemic academic cocktail <laughs> book, but it's right. a cocktail about academic. Uh, and and in, in the introduction, that's when readers will see. Okay, this is how this book came about, and it sort of it started during the pandemic, and it had that theme, but it's now broader in in scope. Oh yeah, uh, and what's great too is that there's always this weird, like a teacher podcast, for example. Everyone's always saying, "Well, it's not just for teachers," but the more you try to you know generalize to be for everybody, that's when you become for nobody. But because you have you have found your niche with this, it actually reads for anyone, even if they're not, you know, in this niche audience. Like I'm thinking about these and I'm thinking of at least like 30 people I know who have nothing to do with academia. They're not professors, they're not teachers, anything like that. But they would probably love this because it's a fun read. And I know that there's at least, I don't know, probably at least 50 recipes just off you know the top of my head that I'm like, yeah, I think my wife and I would love that one. <laughs> like you did this from a lens of like, like you are not, a, I mean, maybe this has changed, but you are not a master bartender as far as, as far as I'm reading from the book. So it's all accessible for, you know, those of us that have very little skills behind a bar. <laughs> we could easily, you know, jump in and, uh, and create some of these. Right. No, you're absolutely correct. I mean, I'm a, I'm an amateur and I, I'm, I, I embrace that, you know, uh, I think there's the two reasons why the, the, the recipes are, 
are simple. The first one is that I'm not a professional. I never worked as a bartender. I've never, ta- never taken a mixology class. So this is very much, I'm very much self-taught. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've obviously spoken with, with, uh, with bartenders and with, with people who own cocktail bars and um, have asked for their advice. But also, um, and they often, you know, they would agree with me. They would say, no, no, I mean, this is, it makes sense that you, you approach this from a different angle. But the second reason why the recipes are relatively simple and, and don't call for exotic ingredients is because I didn't want people they have to spend a few hundred dollars first before they could start mixing these. Yeah. Um, because that's, you know, I have a few cocktail books where this is the case. Um, you know, the, the cocktail, the cocktail are, they, they sound delightful and they are, but for each one you need, I don't know, celery bitters and or <laughs> rhubarb syrup. And, and then you buy this and you make it once, you know, you use it once for this cocktail and then it just sits in your kitchen cabinet and, you know, you, you forget about it. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to do a, a book like that, but one where, you know, somebody like, you know, like teachers, professors, whoever, I mean, we, we have things to do. We have, you know, we have classes to prep, we have papers to grade, we uh, have all kinds of obligations, service obligations. And so we can't spend a long time, you know, either in stores or on the internet trying to find X, Y, and Z ingredients. Right. Um, so, if you have a liquor store and a grocery store, uh, you should be able to find every, any, everything you need for the book. Yeah. I love that you said bitters, too, because when you were saying exotic ingredients, I was like, oh, like bitters. That's what my head went to. And you said bitters. And I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. perfect. Uh, have you thought about, because uh, I know you said you got something in the works. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it at that for obvious reasons. Is it something where you're thinking you might, well, see, I, I almost was going to ask, do you think about taking like a mixology course to try to like still find ways to take that like, I guess, master class in, in bartending, but find a way to make it more accessible. Because again, I know it's more about academia, but it is still, you know, a fun cocktail book with some great recipes in it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, absolutely. I'm, I'm, um, I'm certainly trying to educate myself. I'm also uh, constantly, like when I, when I go to, to go to bars, I ask uh, bartenders what they, what they think and I ask for their feedback. I said, you know, I don't want to, he- I'm not asking for praise. I want to hear, <laughs> you know, blunt, you know, I want to hear your blunt opinion. Um, What's um, so? I'm, I'm I'm based in Pittsburgh, and we have a local distillery here, Wiggle Wiggle Whiskey, uh, which does uh, they do really really great things. And uh, in January of next year, we're going to team up, and they we're going to do an event where I'll talk about the origins of the faculty lounge and the content, and then one of their bartenders is actually going to do a mixing class for the, for the for attending the event. And so, um, really looking forward to that because yeah. a always enjoy engaging with a live audience uh, but also I'm you know I'll be learning things as I'm as I'm there yeah so. yeah I was gonna ask that I was like have you thought about doing like not even just promotional but just for like the fun of it like doing something where you maybe it's a partial like you know read aloud or just promotional event and then you yeah you have that like your own master class or in this case you have you have mixologists coming in that I think that's awesome do you when you do these things though I know you said that you've kind of asked for like feedback from bartenders and people that have that expertise that mm-hmm. that you and I don't. Do you get like a lot of people just like, oh, you know what you have to add to the next book? Like they just they have a scenario or something about academia or they have a recipe that they're like, man, I gotta tell Philip so he can add this to the book. Uh, I haven't really I haven't really had that, which is sort of strange because as mm-hmm. a as a as a historian, I've had <laughs> I've had uh, people who are not historians uh, <laughs> explain 
my area of expertise to me, and um, which you know, sometimes I don't even want to tell somebody uh, at a bar next to me what I what I do for work because yeah. I don't want to I don't want to be enlightened by somebody who's watched a, an hour of the channel. But um, in this case, it actually hasn't <laughs> happened. An hour history, which is, which is, I think, if if anything, uh, suggestions I've gotten or recommendations is, oh, you should really do a cocktail about. For example, we my department is undergoing an academic program review, right? Which, which departments do about once every decade, and they're they're being evaluated externally, and so forth. And so, of course, that could be that could be could be a cocktail because it's a very labor intensive process, and it's nobody enjoys it. It's not fun. <laughs> um, so you know, it's more that people said, "Oh, you, you know, why don't you include next time or for for a second edition? Why don't you include a cocktail on X, Y, and Z topic?" So it's more. You know, an area that I didn't think of, that I hadn't thought of, yeah. rather than, oh, you should do something with, you know, mezcal and and whatever other ingredient. Sure, sure. And more constructive, you know, that's that's something more beneficial to you. It's it's funny to me that you mentioned, because the reason I thought of that with people being like, oh, you got to try this, is because you, you mentioned, I was listening to uh, something that you did, uh, I can't remember when it was posted or whatever, but you were saying whenever you mentioned that you are a history professor and that you've studied German history specifically and someone apparently like tried to talk to you about like the Treaty of Versailles. <laughs> it's like that's yeah. what honestly prompted the question. So I love that right away we were on the same page. Like you kind of knew like what that was what that was about. That was a that was a that's that was a very memorable experience because uh, <laughs> I mean classic classic sort of mansplaining and the poor, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was there with his wife and his wife, you know, she had in, in contrast to her husband, she had social skills and she was horrified. I mean she was <laughs> She was so embarrassed, and she would say, "Dan, Dan, gentleman is a college professor. Oh, I know that." And then he, you know, proceeded yeah. to lecture me. So, um, yeah, we've yeah. we've all we've all. Yeah, yeah. That that hour of the uh, the the History Channel, like you said, or, or when I get the, I don't even say I'm a teacher anymore. What do you do for work? Ah, uh, you know, I make a living because yeah, I'll be like, you know what the problem with education these days? And I go, all right, let me stop you there, buddy, because yeah, right. it, it, yeah. <laughs> it never fails. It never fails. Uh, well, well, Philip, I, I've truly, I've loved talking to you and getting to, again, this is like the perfect book for, for this podcast, like teacher drinking podcast, faculty lounge. It, it's about academia, but through this fun lens of, of a cocktail book, those of you, if you, if you want to pick this up, I, th I mean, it's available pretty much everywhere, right? Like Amazon, your publisher, which is Indiana university. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would recommend, I would recommend, um, for, in the, for a number of reasons, uh, get it directly from Indiana University Press. Uh, they right now have a holiday sale, so you'll you'll get a discount when you order it straight from uh, from from Indiana University Press. So iupress.org is the is the place where I would go. But of course, you can also go to Barnes and Noble or Amazon or any of the other. There you go. Yeah, support local too. Always support local. Yeah. And if you if you do pick up the book, I, I love it because it, again, premise is incredible. The the setup is you've got the title, which is always funny. The, the ingredients, which are always simple to follow. And there's even like a little like instructional thing right below that, followed by like a, a fun little quip. I'm sure you've been asked a thousand times, is there one by chance, like one of the quips with one of the, the drinks that is your favorite that you'd like to kind of close out on? Can I have one quip and one drink? Yeah, uh, yeah let's I do would it. Say Absolutely. The, the, in terms of flavor, in terms of taste, I think the, the very last cocktail in the book, uh, in the epilogue, the very last word, uh, which is a variation, has nothing to do with the Prohibition era last word uh, except that it also is but it's a variation on the negroni it has gin mezcal uh campari and sweet vermouth and what i like about it is those are four very strong flavors which 
in my opinion, my palates, according to my palates, uh, work very well together. So that's, I think, in terms of in terms of the taste, the one that I enjoy the most. Um, in terms of in terms of the humor, I would probably go to the admin chapter, and I would go with the presidential platitude, um, and uh, the it's a, it's a gin cocktail has also orange, fresh orange juice, pomegranate juice, grenadine, orange bitters. And um, the tasting notes read, enjoy, and please know how much I appreciate your willingness to go that extra mile on behalf of our university family during these trying times. And you know what? The funny thing was I, I came up with that recipe. I tweeted, I tweeted a photo with that, with that little tasting note, and I get a, I get a PM from a, uh, from a friend of mine who teaches at a school in the New York area, and he says, Philip, this is really eerie. Yesterday, I got an email from my president verbatim with that phrase yeah. and i thought i guess i you know got something got something right but i was gonna ask you uh you mentioned you mentioned you had a you had a favorite so i'm curious uh, which one is it so my favorite was uh and and this is my favorite quip i'm gonna go with my favorite quip uh the extra credit assignment made me laugh hysterically because i had and, and granted i started reading your book i was on thanksgiving break but right before we went on thanksgiving break i was asked about extra credit and i cringed internally so reading this was very cathartic. You say that no ingredients given as the drink should not exist on the college level. And I loved that. Probably one of my, hard to choose, but one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite quips right there. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, it was great. It's really hard to choose one of them, to be honest with you. I mean, the Forgotten Faculty Senate, that's a good one. The wellness webinar is obviously a great one because that quip itself, it's hilarious. I love a good self-care, <laughs> self-care webinar that's taking away our self-care time. <laughs> Um, I really liked the, the 40 minute conference as well. I don't want to spoil too much from mm -hmm. your book. Uh, and then of course, ingredient wise, anytime you mention rum, that's my go-to. Okay. Has to be. The 40 minute conference paper. That's, that's, that would be my number two in terms of taste because it's so simple. It's just, you know, just a sidecar where instead of, in, instead of cognac, I'm using rye, mm -hmm. um, and then contro, contro and then fresh lemon juice. And I think it just, it works really well. And I think it's also, you know, it's a strong drink that you need when you at a conference and <laughs> Somebody just does not end, not end, and does not end their presentation. Right, right. Uh, and you just say, okay, bye. Right, right. Let's wrap this up. Let me you know, down it and go. Yeah. Ice out. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, Philip, thank you so much for for being on. Uh, is there a place where people can can check you out on like social media? Obviously, they can look at uh, look up your book, The Faculty Lounge: A Cocktail Guide for Academics. Uh, but where can they they follow you to kind of keep up and see when you come out with whatever comes next? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So I'm. Um, I'm still I'm still on that platform that used to be used to be Twitter, uh, and there are, um, my handle is PJ Stelzel S T E L Z E L. Um, uh, if you, which I think is sort of the more the more fun platform these days, of course, is uh, is Instagram, and there I'm um, just one word, Philip Stelzel, the Faculty Lounge, uh, and that is where I share uh, occasionally, you know, photos with with you know cocktail photos and. Uh, and recipes, and of course, also things when when I when when stories about the book come out, uh, which um, is of course something I enjoy immensely. Which is also why I'm very grateful to you for having me on of your course, podcast. Of course, absolute pleasure, absolute pleasure. And I'll, I'll put those in the show notes for anyone that's listening, so you can you can check out Philip and interact. If you get the book, reach out. To, I'm sure you'd love to hear some feedback. I mean, you love hearing stories about it, so check it out. And then, of course, reach out to him on social media. Honestly, I really, I really do. And uh, there's a uh, um, the, this is actually much. This is actually really, really, really nice when somebody, especially people I don't know, um, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, actually fairly prominent um, a German academic uh, who is constantly writing stuff in the media, 
because uh, he works on social inequality. He's a sociologist based at the University of Berlin. He wrote me a private, you know, he wrote me an email and said, hey, I just got your book. I really like it. And I, it was really moving. So yeah. whenever I see whenever I see reader or customer feedback, um, that's, that's obviously fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I loved the book, loved it personally. So I, my endorsement for whatever that's worth to a listener out there, uh, for sure, check out the, uh, the faculty lounge. Uh, and again, Philip, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being on. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. And everybody else. Thank you. So Philip, that, seriously, that was, that was awesome. So seriously, check out the book. I'm not kidding. I, I don't laugh out loud when I read stuff, but I was laughing out loud when I read this and constantly bothering Katie to say, look at this one. Look at this quip right here. So please check it out. Uh, and again, Philip, thank you for being on. If you want to support the show, which is Classroom Brew, the podcast, uh, just go to patreon.com slash classroombrew for all that bonus content. It's going above and beyond to support the show and its cost itself. I believe there's a $2, $4, and $7 tier, which gets you access to different levels of stuff, including some of the podcast merch. If you want to rep a Classroom Brew shirt or a you know, drink a shot from a Classroom Brew shot glass or sip it. I don't know. I'm not here to judge you. Do what you want to do with a shot glass. But uh, thank you though so much for, uh, for listening and, and supporting the show. And until next week, class dismissed. This is Classroom Brew.